All right, part two coming up in just one second here on the Chase Homes Podcast, the Saturday, July 16th, 2022 edition here on the program. Thank you, as always, for making the Chase Homes Podcast part of your daily listen, and I appreciate you guys checking out this Saturday edition of the program. Uh, Charlie Burris of ADZ Sports and Brian Bastin of On The Forecheck join today's edition of the program, and yeah, it's exciting because uh, like Ryan and Ethan and Max and uh, Garrett, they're going to be a weekly staple staple here on the program at this time. So very excited to add Nashville Predators to the Atlanta sports and Tennessee volunteers coverage here on the program. Uh, rest in peace, Atlanta Thrashers. So this will be fun. I'm excited uh, to get more and more uh, invested and emotionally invested in the Nashville Predators and uh, not just be an onlooker and uh, just kind of have it's gonna be fun Uh, this is something new and uh something fun so very excited to dive all the way in here with brian and charlie and this is just gonna be a really really fun time and the first episode here was was fantastic so uh think you guys will enjoy it uh we talked philip forsberg's uh his extension we talked about preds free agency thus far we talked about uh just their general play style and why uh they may have struggled to score a little bit last year um their big goalie signing and how that uh, affects what they're uh, plans are there, but uh, a lot of fun talking all things Preds this week on part two of today's edition of the program. So, without further ado, let's dive into that. But actually, without not without further ado, because I also got to tell you, if you've not already done so, please, please, please make sure that you leave this show a five star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you are indeed already a subscriber and you like this program and have not already done so, it takes like five seconds and it helps this show continue to grow up so that people find it all that good stuff and make sure to check us out on youtube all of our episodes up there and clips all kinds of other good stuff over on the youtube page so youtube.com slash chase thomas podcast like and subscribe all the good stuff uh all right part two coming up just one second uncle darren let's go chase thomas podcast the chase thomas podcast um my nephew needs me to record see i hate i already hate it i hate it all right welcome back it's not really welcoming back it's welcome to another edition of the local hour here on the chase most podcast taping this on a friday we have go big orange friday we have the atlanta sports guys and we had something else because i like things in threes and because that's just a lot of fun to do and those do really well i wanted to add the preds because i was thinking about where we could go and what we could also add to um this program and this made a lot of sense and there are a lot of talented folks who cover and care about the national predators and it's an area where I would like to learn more and understand more because guess what? The Atlanta Thrashers died a decade ago, more than a decade ago now. And, you know, being in Tennessee for the last couple of years, I've started getting into the Preds and started watching more Preds. The, the, my father-in-law Preds guy, my uh, family is into it and the fiance, we watch it and she loves hockey. So I was like, all right, I'm going to dive more in, but the way it works for me is I need more. I need to talk about it. I need things to do to keep me engaged and to dive in more and learn more. And that's what this podcast is going to be is getting to that point. Yes, Charlie. I do have to ask. Yeah. Why didn't you, why didn't you follow the the thrashers to Winnipeg? Are you not a big, uh, not a big Winnipeg fan? Not a big Winnipeg guy. And they are not <laughs> even the thrashers. They're just, they just went back to their old team. It's just the Winnipeg jets. It was just like no mention of the thrashers. The thrashers are dead. It's just, no, I can't, I, I was not going to do that. It wasn't yeah. the same. 
So no, I was just, I was kind of wandering the desert and it's weird. You, I don't think you guys have had this where you've had a team just move. Uh, you grew up going to believe in blue land games and it's just, that was a thing. And then it's just gone. You're like, all right, uh, every, this is just it. Like, uh, I don't know what to do with my fandom and these, uh, old Atlanta thrashers t-shirts. I don't really know where they go. Uh, I'd argue, I, I'd argue I had the same feeling when, uh, I got to UT for my freshman year. I was like, what happened? There used to be a football team here. So, <laughs> oh, cool. Well, the football team's back, Brian. The yes, football, they are. I don't know if you've heard, but the football team is back and people oh, yeah. forget. People yeah, forget. They, they forget. Mm-hmm. Well, we're all UT guys. Uh, I finish up my master's here at UT uh, this fall. Brian, undergrad at UT. Charlie, undergrad at UT. But you did your master's at UT too, right? I did, and I don't use it for a single day. <laughs> hey, me, me neither. I also have a master's I don't use. <laughs> oh, there you go. We're all getting our master's. This is a very smart program. This is, <laughs> we're like very, that. We're very pro-education on this on this show. Very pro-education. your life because you don't know what to do. That's, uh, <laughs> yeah, pay, paying to delay your 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 mm-hmm. life decisions. Yeah, that's what you do, man. Uh, <laughs> hey, you don't and like you 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 hope that you figure it out during that time period and yeah. you stumble into the right thing. But I think that's okay. I think that's okay. Um, Charlie Burris, A to Z Sports. Uh, you've been on this program before for Tennessee football. Um, you do a post game reaction show with Eric Ainge during the season, um, but you're also a Preds guy. So, uh, what can uh, the listeners uh, like? What's your Preds story? Have you been a Preds guy from the beginning, or what? Did you get into hockey later? How did that work for you? So I've gone. I born born in Nashville, had family in Nashville, still have hmm. family in Nashville, but I've lived in Knoxville since I was five. But because of that family in Nashville, grew up going to Predators games. Mm-hmm. I uh, in a very bandwagony way, did not get serious about it until mm. the cup run. Um, always followed it tangentially when they, like I, when they, when they had the nice runs in the playoffs, a few years leading up to the cup run, I, you know, I, I would watch those like the, that great series with the sharks and stuff like that. But be, beyond that, it didn't get to where I was like watching every game I possibly could until mm that cup run. And I know that everybody, and I, I don't cover the team It's purely fandom. I never have covered the team in like actual, like writing about it, knowing, you know, all, all the gritty, gritty details of it. Mm. But I, I get extremely pissed off <laughs> and uh, I have opinions about everything. So there's, you know, that, that much, I, that's basically the rundown on my, my predators relationship. There you go. Well, we have someone who covers and writes and is extremely well informed when it comes to the Preds, Brian Baston. Brian, uh, you write for On the Forecheck. Have you been a Preds guy from the beginning? Like, how has that been for you? Um, so I, I can say I moved to Tennessee for the first time, despite my whole family being from here uh, back in 2005 when I went to UT and mm. um, had a very, very passing interest in it um, for the time I was there. And then I moved here about eight years ago. And like, you know, like, like Charlie said, I, uh, I got caught up with the cup run. I had watched a lot of hockey when I was a kid and I lived in North Dakota for a little while. I watched the uh, UND hmm. play up there, but never really got too f- far into it. Um, moved to Tampa in high school. And the only game, NHL game I had seen was a friend asked me if I wanted to go to one. 
not realizing what time of year it was. And it was, it was one of the games in the uh, Stanley Cup final for the, the lightning and the flames. So mm. that was interesting. But um, I decided I wanted to, to follow along kind of like everybody else did the, after the cup run. But I was like, you know, I feel bad. You know, I should I'm going to try to be well, better informed and watch every game. I had a, a newborn. So it was a lot of nights where I was trying to put her to bed and watching or listening a game on the on, on a headset, something like that. And uh, mm. after about it, like you said, like wanting to talk about it and argue about it, I started doing that. And after about a year of, of kind of following them on my own, uh, they reached out to me, out to me from uh, on the forecheck. And it's been kind of a whirlwind since then. I uh, I wonder, because how do you take notes during games? Do you take notes like because I take notes with baseball, with basketball, with football. Hockey is impossible. to take It's notes very, very difficult. I mean, how do you do that? Because like the line changes and everything. Like I just I can't like. It's just so difficult to do that. I don't know how hockey beat writers do that and write gamers immediately after. I, that, I feel like, is the most difficult sport to do that. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of stuff happening, but at any yeah. given time, you know, they could be a lot of action, but nothing of consequence may happen. Um, I It's a reason why when I'm, when I'm at games, I tweet quite a bit because I'll go hmm. through my timeline after games and look at all the stuff that i tweeted i also have like voice memos when i'm at the game just hmm. for things that i can't write down because i can't write fast enough to keep up with what yeah. they're doing so yeah it, it takes some time and usually a, a replay run through as i'm sitting there in the media section and there just fast forwarding and finding spots i like it um well the preds have been busy this off season and the biggest one was philip forsberg who signed a long-term extension um do you like the contract? Do you like that this is how it ultimately unfolded for Forsberg, Brian? Uh, yeah, most definitely. Uh, you know, the big worry was, you know, throughout the season, they knew that the contract was going to be up. And a lot of people were saying that, you know, if Forsberg doesn't look like he's going to sign, then he, he needed to be traded to the, the trade deadline so they could get something out of him, you know, especially with the career year he had, you know, scoring over 40 goals, just the second predator to ever do it with Matt Duchesne, who also did it this season. Um, but, you know, as we got closer and closer to, to free agency opening up, we were starting to hear reports that, you know, they, he was just kind of held up on a no trade clause and no movement clause. And the ask, you know, the average uh, value per year really wasn't as high as most people are expecting that he was looking for something in the mid to upper, you know, 8 million area per year. Um, and so, you know, they, they came out and I think Poyle even, you know, came up and floated that number about a week before it happened. And so, it would look like it was just a matter of whittling down, you know, uh, trade protection and things like that. Cause I think Philip Forsberg has seen, you know, the contracts that Roman Yossi and Matt Duchesne have received with, you know, no trade uh, clauses, but also saw, you know, kind of what had happened with Ryan Ellis who signed that six year deal, um, but didn't have any trade protection and got moved to, to Philly. And I don't think that he was too happy about that move. So actually I think it was, you know, a great value. I think he had a great, great year. This is a guy that's a cornerstone of your offense. You know, He's doing the things that you know Roman Yossi is good for on the defensive side. I mean, you've got guys like Duchesne and and Forsberg both scoring forty goals. You know, it's 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 a pretty good contract. It could have been a lot more expensive. The term is you know full eight years, which is going to be rough as you get down the road. But I think that you know for the state of the team and where they're at, I think this was an excellent deal, and I'm glad that it finally got done. Charlie, what about you? I have always kind of been conflicted with Forsberg because he, I've always felt like he's never truly lived up all the way to that, uh, his potential. I love to see him stay with the team and he had an amazing season this season, but it just like, 
all of the the hype around this, is it bad that I kind of went, what if we did ship him off? Like what, you know what, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it, it just crossed my mind because it just, this season, it felt like we needed a freshening, a freshening up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I look, I'm not, in no way am I going to complain and say like, they shouldn't resign Phil Porter. He's one of the best players in the league. Mm. That's for sure. But if they had traded him or, or you know, work, had it work another way, I would have been like, hey, we can get some fresh blood in here. Because I am, this is a whole entire other conversation, but I'm very much someone who was like, fire David Poyle, fire Hines, just redo this. Just <laughs> the whole thing. Um, and and they didn't, obviously. <clears throat> and so I'm, I, obviously I like it. Love Forsberg. Love everything that he's done for this franchise. Took us to a cup. Blah, blah, blah. We all know. Glad to see him. Uh, but I will, I just, I have to include that I, uh, I had those thoughts. Just, you know, I was kind of like, uh, you know, it, it's great, but what if we had a change of landscape? Mm-hmm. It's that's more than fair because you know if it be there's there's a handful of players that you'd be willing to to kind of stick your neck out for and want to do everything you can to resign, and you know, if they got you know they did Matthew Shane they got Roman Yossi Matthias Ekholm's deal is pretty long, you know they still have Ryan Johansson's contract there with with him being there and that's kind of been a. You know, they've tried to move him a couple times now. And so, you know, I can understand the hesitation because you want to get new blood in there. But if you've got that same core, it can be difficult. And so I completely understand. And had they traded him, I think that could have been that could have been advantageous for the Predators. But once they weren't able to trade him at the trade deadline, then I think that they had no choice but to get him re-signed again. Because, you know, to let a player like that walk away for nothing as opposed to trading him to getting some, some sort of return, you know, was going to be a super bad look and probably accelerate that timeline of David Poyle being done with, with this team. Well, is it a situation where you still bring him in? This happens in the NBA all the time. You don't lose the asset for nothing, but you just, the contract extension does not mean you're this player is part of your long-term plans. It just means that you can move this player and you have more time and he's under, he's just under contract. Like, is this something where, this signal that they are committed to Philip Forsberg for the next couple of years, or is this still a situation where if the right deal comes along, we're open. Uh, he's still not a cornerstone piece. Like where do you think they let, they landed on that? Um, I think, you know, again, I think the, the, the main focus of Forsberg's camp and his, his agent JP Barry was to get that, some of that trade protection. So he's got a full no movement clause, which kind mm-hmm. of precludes him from being waived or like, you know, sent to the HL, which is not going to be an issue for him, right. I don't think. Um, but he's got the last two, uh, I think, last two or three years with that modified no trade clause. Um, and so I think that they I fully intend on having him available and being part of their plans for the next four to five years. Um, and then when that before that, you know, he's got that the deal is very front loaded. And so it gives them options as they get towards the end of that. And it, it's for a modified no trade clause. It's just a 12 team or 10 team list for him that he submits to, you know, I'm not going here. Um, so I think that's available, and I think that gives them a little bit of options as you hit that year four, year five mark, because mm. um, you still, you know, he's going to last throughout the final, you know, final years of, of Matthew Shane's and, and Roman Yossi, Matias Ekholm, and so they'll have that core there, and then they'll all start to kind of drop off one by one. So it gives them a little bit of flexibility, but I imagine that, you know, in the next four to five years, he's absolutely a major part of their plans going forward. See, it's it's this type of stuff that as 
as a purely as a fan, in some sense, my eyes kind of glaze over <laughs> when it, all all of the the details of the contracts. But when you explain it and the implications of it, because I feel like you asked me to do this, and I was like, I'll give you my hot takes. Like I said, you know, <laughs> like, I'm I was a I was a fire poil get start mm. over type of guy, stuff like that. A little more thousand foot view. But but I think about that and like you're saying everything you're saying, I'm going, huh? Oh, all right. <laughs> yeah, that all makes sense, you know. So uh, that's that's good. That's interesting. Sorry, just had to. No, good to hear. I appreciate that. <laughs> that it makes some sort of sense because sometimes I don't know if it makes sense to anybody but me. So I think I, I knew. I figured it would be a good balance between Brian and uh, <laughs> and Charlie because it's a, two very different uh, media personalities. I would say, um, in a good way. In a good way. Well, do you think we'll end on this with Forsberg? He had a plus twelve, plus minus this past year. Um, he was in the negatives the previous two years. He was this this past year was a contract year, and it was a big year for him. But like, it, my question at age twenty seven is: this who he's going to be going forward? Is he going to be what we saw last year more often than not during the duration of this contract, or is there a fear of now that he's been locked up and now that he's got this contract that? I I don't know that he's someone to monitor as to what kind of player he's going to be next year and going forward. Yeah, I mean, I would, you know, again, I think there's a very real concern that, you know, this was a year that he outproduced himself, you know, much mm. further than he had previously. I think his previous um, high in goals was 33, but that was in that year with Victor Arvidsson and then, you know, kind of hovered in the 20s both times. And the biggest issue for Forsberg hasn't really been his talent or his skill. It's his consistency. Um, and that's been kind of a little bit of an issue where he has these dry spells. Obviously, we didn't see any any goals from him in the playoffs and kind of as they hit the stretch. Um, and teams were locking down on him. But, you know, it's it's something to, to be definitely concerned about. And also considering his injury history, you know, last year seemed like it was a little light for him because he only missed 13 games from injury. But, you know, that's been kind of a consistent issue. He's been he's a he's a strong, you know, a mix of of, of power and finesse, you know, in a skater. Mm. And he's not afraid to kind of use that power to to power through guys or get, you know, into the boards with somebody. That's not his full game, but he's never kind of shied away from hits. And so. You know, there's that injury history that you have to be concerned about as well. But I will say, you know, after watching him the past couple of years in person and seeing, you know, the development and talking to him a little bit, you know, I think he's made a lot of strides under uh, under John Hines as far as kind of refinements to his game. He's a he's a very good four checker. He's always been pretty decent on both ends of the ice, which has been, you know, great to see. But he's starting to finally get that you know, put things together on the offensive side and, and be able to become a, a, a really strong finisher, you know, kind of a, one of those guys who the shots he's taking, you know, should have got him around 25, 28 goals, but he's got such a strong, you know, got that ability to just finish the shot and get it in the net that, you know, he finally had that payoff this season. I think that potential's always been there. So again, 27 years old, that aging curve, you know, for forwards, you know, it starts to drop off around that time. And so it'll be interesting to see. But I think if you get this, you know, you get Philip Forsberg, you know, for another 30 or more goals next season, you know, I think that's that's considered a success because it shouldn't be all on him. But, uh, you know, he's got that ability to, to change a game, him and Matt Duchesne. I, I don't want to kind of take over the the hosting here, but purely as as a fan, I I like your analysis so far. Brian, what uh, and and I got us. I'm I'm time limited. Yeah, here, so I apologize. I got to go. Oh, I want to know what you say about this. This year, you get career years out of Forsberg, out of mm-hmm. Duchesne, out of Yossi. 
all of these dudes, what didn't work? Like, what was it? This, <laughs> this is what I've tried tried to diagnose this entire season where I was watching. Where I was like, you got all of this, like an entire core set of dudes who are some of the best guys in the entire <laughs> NHL playing near the peak of their ability. And we're not we squeaking into the playoffs and getting swept in the first round. What was it? Okay, yeah. In the interest of your time, um, let's I'll kind of go through it real quick. Um, they had the top end players. It worked out really great for them, like Forsberg, like you said. Uh, but their second line, you know, they had Luke Cunning for all 82 games and they just traded him away. And he was, I mean, just very, very disappointing. But there was that lack of depth scoring. You know, their their second most effective line was that that line of Tanner Janot and Matthew Olivier and Colton Sissons, which is great. You get a guy like Tanner Janot who comes in as a rookie and is scoring really well, but you don't want your third checking line that's mostly rookies or, you know, three-year veterans. That shouldn't be your second best producing line. And you see the team, you know, they had their best power play performance all season in franchise history, but still finished eighth. The penalty kill wasn't bad. And then losing UC Soros towards the end. UC Soros, as is tradition in Nashville, goaltending kind of, you know, keeps up the career of coaches and, and GMs here um, in Nashville because if a game, if, if UC Soros or a Pecorino can steal a game, you know, and you win one to zero, you're fine with that because you didn't need your forwards to score four times. Well, when you're in a in a division with someone like Colorado, uh, you can't do that. You have to score a lot, and that's something that the Preds just weren't able to do because they're such a hard, heavy team. Um, and it didn't rely a lot on on rushes and breakouts. And so that kind of hurt them in the end because teams started to figure out what they did, similar to kind of what we saw towards the end of Laviolette's tenure. Well, there you go. Are you good? Excellent. Do you feel better, Charlie? (laughs) I do. uh, That's very informative. I just with the whole thing, I scream into the void Mm. about what I – because I do – the way that you're talking about the the Predators, that's the way that I have to cover Tennessee. You know, I do a Tennessee mm. game day show. I do a Tennessee podcast. I do all this stuff. Follow it like a hawk. Know the ins and outs uh, of all of it. And then I can give my ridiculous hot takes with that. <laughs> but I just feel like with the Predators sometimes, when when I just go like at the end of the season, I just – like I, I, I see a lot with my radio show. I, I'll give some <clears> – <throat> Radio show. It's a podcast I do. Sorry. I used to do radio. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, I, I used to be a star back in the good old days. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I just see, you know, I'll, I'll give an opinion that is very informed in, in my personal opinion. And then people who I think are much more casual fans see it and they go, no, that's not, uh, uh, you know, and, and we kind of read it and go, okay, it's, <laughs> I get what you feel that way. I feel like I, a lot of the times with the Predators, I am that guy. I am, <laughs> I am the fan that is like, I, I don't know all, all those analytics where you mm. break down. You're, you're absolutely right, like the young talent and all that. And I, and I actually really like the young talent that the Predators have. Um, but I feel like with a lot of my, my stuff, like at the end of the season, I was just like, get this. Of course, also as a Tennessee fan, I'm inclined to fire coaches. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was like, get these guys out of here. Like, this is over. I've, I've seen it enough time in my life <laughs> to know when somebody's cooked and this is over. Like, I, it just was yeah, just, just mediocrity. And that's – and I, I just – but I also feel like I am still someone who has to ask that question, like, <laughs> to someone like you who's extremely informed. 
and kind of go like, can you explain it to me like I'm a child? <laughs> I can I can give you my 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 hot takes. I mean, I think that they the fact that they were so, they led the league by so much and penalties taken this year show that it was a weakness both in the in the head coaching area and the staff and in the GM because they are bringing in players and promoting these players that committed a lot of these penalties in the sake of roughness. And so that's frustrating. And you're not going to do well unless you've got the best power play in the NHL. Is you're not going to make that worth it. Also, they didn't do a very good job in managing the middle of those rosters. Yeah, you know, David Poyle brings in these guys or calls people up from from Milwaukee, but yes. these are guys that fit that mold. Those big bruiser guys, and it's like. Like, how about we promote some guys who can score goals? That would be fantastic. Mm. Um, you know, they're a strong forechecking team, which works for the style that they play. But when you've got a guy like Roman Yossi and Matt Duchesne and Philip Forsberg, you've got to be more of a transition, uh, a fast break transition teams at times. And they just weren't. And so I think I think a lot of it, I think, is that there's a style, there's like a style. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It doesn't quite match up between what Poyle provides for john roster and and what Hines, right and again i've i've come around on how you know my opinions on john Hines. i think that right now it's it's as as good as they're going to have i think he's he's working on the system it's not been a complete disaster but with the nhl you know it's not like college football which is rough for me you know it's it's not you don't get the guy that's up and coming at you know at jackson state university or something like that out there and out there in west tennessee like you don't get that you know a new coach come up there it's just the same recycled 32 coaches you know it's yeah. you get one guy gets fired he gets hired somewhere else you know laviolette got fired heinz had been fired a week earlier and they had brought him <laughs> right on and but that's i mean it's not even just nashville it's it's everybody you don't see you know a lot of people take chances even on ahl coaches uh milwaukee's carl taylor has been an nhl assistant he's been in milwaukee he's been a coach of the year there you know they they wanted to go with another guy instead of trying to bring someone in unproven. And so I think it's that lack of vision, I guess, with David Poyle is he doesn't know how long he's going to be there or if he plans on staying for a long time. But I don't know that his plan for this team aligns anymore with what this team is. I think they, the, the, the directors or the owners and, and, and Poyle both, you know, they're living off that run from the cup and, and it's, you know, it's time to move on and they still have yet to commit to doing a full rebuild or anything like that. And that may keep them in mediocrity for a few years. That's per you. You said Hoyle's vision doesn't meet up with what this team is. That's exactly how I feel. That's like so perfectly put. But I, <laughs> I got, I, I got to run, guys. Yeah. I, I apologize. Thank you, thank you. I, I'll, I'll let you give actual analysis now, and I'll just. <laughs> no, this is. No, great. I appreciated it. Yeah, you, you bring me, got me grounded. I appreciate that. No, but uh, yeah, this was great, guys. I, I apologize. I won't. If we do this again, I will not be time crunched like this. Best, no, you're best you're good. Next week, on, so. Charlie Burris, you'll yeah. be here. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Bye, Charlie. Yeah. Enjoy the airport. <laughs> well, I'll do my best. Uh, yeah. Tell me, yeah. Tyson. I said hi. All right. See you, man. Uh, that was Charlie Burris. Go give him a follow if you've not already done so. Uh, great uh, sports writer for A to Z Sports. Um, Brian Baston, it's just you and I. And then there were two. And, and then, then were there two, were two, yep. Um, first round pick, though. Uh, I think we jump into here now. So there is a big steal on this front where a lot of folks, I mean, you read all the analysis and everyone was surprised the Preds stumbled into who they stumbled into in the first round. Were you just as surprised? Uh, yeah, I will. I will tell you that I'm not as up on on the scouting, mm. you know, with with recruiting and college football or, you know, drafting in the, into the NFL. You know, you mm. got a good chance. You get a lot of chances to watch guys. There's videos everywhere. Right. There's not many chances to to see a bunch of, of a 17 year old kid playing in a Finland, a Finnish league, yeah. you know, here when you're sitting in, in Nashville, Tennessee. But, you know, after going through it, you know, 
yeah, he's been he's he's a fantastic player. I mean, he's a guy that was evaluated top ten by a lot of people. The Preds said they had him seventh on the board. Uh, you know, uh, Joe Kim Kamel. Um, he's he's a guy who played last year in the in the Finnish Liga. You know, they're 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 pro hockey, and he had 15 goals and 23 points in his 39 pro games, and they. They did not expect that because the year prior, you know, he had great, great numbers in the under 18 division, but nobody really expected him to come in and, you know, produce as a, as a, you know, as an 18 year old, but I think scored nine goals in his first 15 games to first, you know, and then had six goals and eight points in the uh, world championships this year. This is a guy who's, who came onto that scene and to play hockey there and, you know, start dominating immediately. He's got an incredibly powerful shot. You know, this is a little bit different than what you'd see from someone like Ellie Tolvanen, where, you know, he's got that big windup and that laser shot. I mean, the power comes out of his wrist and you don't see much of a windup or, or the stick bend. All of a sudden it's rocketing past you. Mm. Um, he's a he's a much stronger, um, you know, he's got a, be- a, a game where he can work the middle a little bit more in, the, in there, you know, Tolvanen or somebody like that. I don't want to keep compla- uh, comparing him to Tolvanen, but that's kind of the mm. easiest comparative, you know, comparison that I've heard from from people. But you know, he can work the middle. He can get in there and drive in to open up lanes and things like that. He's a very good passer as well. Kind of reminds me of the passing ability that Ryan Johansson has. Something that's a little bit underrated, I think. But um, yeah, I mean, they were they were expecting him to to drop, you know, go in the top ten, and you know, the top ten shook out a little bit odd with some of the guys dropping, but they they. I'm sure that they rushed, you know, to, to get this guy because he's been fantastic so far, you know, is what we, what we can see. And there's a lot of, a lot of uh, opportunity for him to, to grow, but this is a guy that, you know, they've, they've got to the playoffs, which unfortunately meant that they didn't get into the draft lottery. So they're going to pick, you know, 17th, they're just outside the playoffs and they still manage to get a top 10 talent. And, you know, that's, that's fantastic. And it's, I think that they did a really good job of identifying that, especially since they didn't have a second round pick this year. Why do you think they didn't tender uh, David? You know, it's just been one of those that he was a guy that they drafted back in, in 2017. Mm. Um, they, he played four years at Boston alongside Dante Fabro for part of that. And he was one of those exciting guys that, you know, they thought that he was developing right alongside Fabro. He was going to be that Fabro type player. Um, he stayed at Boston for the four years and then he came to Milwaukee last season for his first pro year, you know, on the second year of his two year entry level deal and had, I believe, uh, one point or one goal and like eight points, I believe like that. I mean, just mm-hmm. really something that one goal and 13 points in 50 games. So not what you want to see, obviously defensemen. Yes, but you know, that's not what you want to see. You think that a guy that, you know, you've had a lot, have been in the system for four years, you've given him a deal. He should show up in Milwaukee, a team, a very good team, a very good team in the AHL mm. and just really couldn't stay in the in the roster or was getting those bottom pair minutes. And so I think it was just one of those where Nashville had to move on from him. You know, they could have given a little bit more time and they still could be negotiating with him. You know, they didn't tender mm-hmm. him. They may have not wanted to, you know, give him as much, you know, as a qualifying offer would give. Um, so, you know, maybe they're negotiating now, um, you know, to get him back you know, at that league minimum, but we'll, mm. we'll be curious to see because no other team, you know, he, he's been a trade piece that we've heard rumors about in the past that teams wanted him, uh, you know, as a prospect, but the fact that he hasn't been signed yet could, could mean that, he, you know, he's working on wanting to stay with Nashville. I like it. I like it. Um, in terms of free agency though, uh, slow start. <laughs> yeah. What do you think is ultimately going to happen here? Uh, in free agency? You know, it's, it's really, really hard to tell you that. I mean, they've, have had about five signings. Um, and I think those, those first five were all AHL guys. Milwaukee fans are ecstatic. I mean, mm-hmm. they've got some really great guys. They got a guy who was the former uh, last year's AHL defender of the year. They've got some really good players and they, you know, they, 
they brought in some other guys and re-signed some guys. So that's going to be great. But, you know, we're trying to figure out what's going to happen with the Predators. Luke Cunning gets traded away. Uh, you know, Matthew Olivier gets traded away. Uh, you know, you start to see all those, the free agents that, you know, uh, like, like David Riddick and the stuff like that, they're all signing with other teams, but we're watching guys come off the board. And obviously I didn't think Nashville was going to be a player for a Johnny Gaudreau or somebody like that. Mm. Um, he may have been, a, he may have been a, a priority when, you know, if For- Forsberg steel fell through, but mm. you know, he, he wasn't going to make a big splash. So I didn't quite expect them to, to go for a, a huge fish right now, but I expected a little bit of something. Um, you know, some of that middle six depth. I think they're good on defense right now, especially with adding uh, Ryan McDonough. I think it's gonna, that was actually a very good add. But, you know, they're they're waiting and names are starting to fly off the board. I mean, now I think the top two free agents that are out there are Nassim Kadri and, and Patrice Bergeron, which Bergeron, I think there's indications that he's going to stay in Boston. He'd be a mm. fantastic get if they could do it. Uh, and Kadri, I've heard Nashville talked about before, you know, as interested in him in the past, but not a lot of talk now. I think there's still mm. a chance he goes, he returns to Colorado, but, you know, he had such a fantastic year. So there's not as much out there. You know, there are guys that Mason Marshman, I think I was thought was great and would be an, an excellent signing. Uh, he went to Dallas and you hate to see that. Um, but, you know, there's a couple guys still out there. I think there's Nino you know, Niederreiter, who's, you know, been kind of an exciting Two-way forward in Carolina, uh, 24 goals, 44 points last season. I think that's exactly the type of guy you want to have in, on your second line with Ryan Johansson or Mikhail Granlund because uh, of his creativity and his ability to kind of you know be a playmaker. They didn't have that on the second line before, so he's still available. Um, obviously, there's Phil Kessel, who's kind of just the crowd favorite for everybody, just for whether it's his ability or the memes and his, his love of hot dogs. I'm not sure, but they're both good. And, you know, he'd be that guy who's – been there forever he's been in the league forever he's you know that veteran you just he'd be a, he'd be a fun ad and he can still score he can still play this isn't kind of like some of the the uh, veterans that nashville's added in the past like you know your uh oh gosh what's his name i'm trying to think wayne simmons and stuff like mm. that like you know they were good for what they were but they weren't going to come in there and change the game there wasn't a guy right. who was going to be you know first star of the game for two or three games you know every month it's I think he has a, a chance to impact like that. And there's been a lot of talk about Phil Kessel on Nashville. So I'm, I'm curious to see if that gets done. I don't think that's the answer to fix a lot of the issues, but mm. hopefully they do something. And of course, you've got guys like Cal Yarncroke who are back free agents. And, yeah. you know, that's me turning my analyst or my my writer brain off. I'm like, yeah, I just want Cal Yarncroke back because I liked him, mm. you know. And so and then someone's like, well, why? I'm like, because, you know, is that a good enough answer for you? <laughs> just, yeah, just because. Yeah, he, was, he was a good fit. He wasn't frustrating. He, I don't think I got mad watching him play hockey. So it's like, yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> That's not bad. Yeah, that's a good answer. Um, we'll end on this. So they signed a goalie and this ruffled some feathers. And uh, this seems pretty split on how Preds fans feel about this. Where did you land on this? Yeah. So like I said, with David Riddick, um, they, yeah. obviously they, they announced pretty much the second the season was over that they weren't planning on bringing him back. Yeah. Um, so they knew that he was going to be gone, which is fine because he was just a very serviceable backup. You know, you didn't want you didn't want more than 10 games or 20 games out of him a year. Um, and so, you know, the thought was that after we saw Connor Ingram get, get called up and have a pretty good performance against the avalanche in one of those games or a couple of those games in the playoffs, mm-hmm. you know, the expectation was that, that Ingram would be the Soros's full-time backup in Nashville. Um, you would get, you know, Devin Cooley or, you know, we'd have Askarov in, in Milwaukee, you know, for his first North American, you know, pro hockey experience mm-hmm. be playing that and getting some red because he's not ready for nashville yet obviously and um 
you know, so that's kind of how everybody thought it was going to shake up. But then they go and set, sign Kevin Lankinen from Chicago, you know, 1.5 million. Mm. And I'm not, yeah, I'm, I was very confused because that's a guy that they're not signing him to send him to Milwaukee. I don't mm. think. Um, I can understand maybe if they're wanting to give Ingram some time, let him be the starter at Milwaukee for a while, uh, working with with Askarov, and to eventually get Ingram up. But you know, there's always that chance that they could be using Ingram as as trade bait. You know, I said early in the free agency that, especially at Toronto, with how aggressive they were. Um, chasing after goaltenders and they had that deal to get Matt Murray from Ottawa, which mm-hmm. I would rather have Ingram at this point than Matt Murray, even though Ingram's mm. fairly unproven just because Matt, we know what Matt Murray is. Right. And we've seen flashes from Ingram, what he can do. He's on his last year of his rookie deal. So he's $730,000 right now. Mm-hmm. So he's a cheap addition for somebody who needs a, maybe a quality backup. So yeah, there that very well could be, and that he might be working on something to get a forward back on that. So rather than going free agency route, getting a getting a player in a trade, but you know, I can't, I haven't seen much indication of of you know what that plan is. They they haven't talked too much about that, and it threw a wrench in pretty much what everybody expected to happen. So it could very well be that they just have him here. Ingram will get called up. Ingram will see a lot more time as the season progresses, but maybe they don't feel confident enough to give him even that yet, and they want him to have another full year to maybe spend time with Askarov in, in Milwaukee and see what happens after that. I like it. I like it. Brian, this has been awesome as yeah. we kick things off here on our local Nashville Predators portion of the weekly podcast. So I greatly appreciate you making the time and thank you again to Charlie for popping on. You know, it's funny too, as we wrap up here, we have the exact same, um, I have my jacket over it, but mm-hmm. we have the exact same gaming chair that we sit in. I'm not a game. These are the most comfortable chairs. Oh, yeah. Oh, known yeah. to man. Like, I will never not get one of these chairs as my office chair. They're incredible. Yeah, they're, they're really. I mean, I got a pretty good deal on it. Yeah. Yes. You know, it's bright blue and it looks like a racing car. But exactly. I don't care. Know, some, it's comfortable. Sometimes I want to I want to look like a like a race car driver. You know, I'm, that dream exactly. is dead. So, yeah. I, I'm right there with you, my friend. I'm right there with you. Uh, we can read it on the four check. Uh, mm-hmm. Anything else you'd like to plug as we wrap up here today? Oh, yeah. You can also see we've been, I'm working with uh, with Charlie Sonia and Renegades yeah. and Puck. We have a show on YouTube. You can find us there. We've got we're, we're expanding out to to other social, but we're doing uh, video you know videos every game after the game happens. So usually those go out you know about an hour after the the game is over, and then you know you have something ready for you to listen to or to watch on, on the way to work after after game days. So make sure you check that out as well. There you go. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Very excited uh, to keep doing these with you, man. I think it's going to be a fun uh, off season as we build it up and uh, this this fall and everything else. And I think we'll have to catch games and uh, go do that and just uh, really branch out, man. I think this will be fun. Yes, so, sir. That'd be great. I'm, exactly, exactly. All right, my friend. Well, I will talk to you next week. Yeah, that's all right. Thanks for having me on. All right, that'll do it for... Part two here on a Saturday, July 16th, 2022 edition here on the Chase Most Podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in to this debut episode on, uh, I think we're going to call this Preds Power Hour. So uh, let me know what you think, but that's just something that sounds pretty cool here. So we'll see Preds Power Hour. Uh, let us know what you think, Chase Most Podcast at gmail.com. Um, but this was a lot of fun. So I'm excited to do this with uh, Brian and uh, Charlie. And I think this is going to be something that uh, works really well. Um, especially come uh, the regular season and us getting back into that. But still got a couple months, but really excited to kind of get this thing moving and to add the Predators to our Tennessee and Atlanta coverage each and every week here on the Chase and Most Podcast and the Blue Wire Pod Network. Thank you, as always, for making the Chase and Most Podcast part 
your daily listen on wherever, however you listen to this program, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your preferred podcast player, or you can watch this very program, youtube.com slash Chase Thomas Podcast. Like and subscribe, all that good stuff over there. All right, part three, Land of Sports Guys coming up right after this. Uncle Derek, how'd I do? Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.